The following is a conversation on the notion of the cream rises to the top. It would seem many, if not most, believe this is how the world works, particularly here in the United States. Put your head down, work hard, and you will climb the ladder of whatever domain you happen to be in. Now, in light of recent events and movements in our country, that belief is on shaky ground and arguably even naive. But it seems that in the matter of sports, many still cling on to this notion of the cream rising to the top. Well, folks, at least in soccer, a fluid 11v11 team sport where one-on-one matchups are not nearly as influential in the win-loss column, the notion that the cream rises to the top insofar as individual players are concerned also is a simplistic and naive view. With that, the following discussion should provide some food for thought on the matter. It comes from a place of experience in both the youth and professional game and is not merely from a hypothetical or theoretical mental construction. I hope you enjoy, but as usual, first a couple product ads for you to consider. Remember, please, this is what keeps the lights on around here. So if 343 has helped enrich your soccer lives in some way, this is one way to support. These are one-of-a-kind products in that they are what enabled us to take a group of 9- and 10-year-olds all the way through U19 and graduated an unprecedented number of them to becoming professionals, both here in the United States and in Europe. If you're a coach and would like to learn the methodology directly from Brian Kleiben, the coach who successfully implemented the methodology here in the United States, you can visit 343coaching.com. If you're a parent and want to better help your son or daughter successfully navigate the jungle that is the American soccer system, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go and be ready to join. You can get on the email list there and we'll send you a message when enrollment is open for you. But coaches, you can immediately enroll in your program at 343coaching.com. No waiting is necessary, at least not for now. Okay. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. Okay. Uh, I want to f- continue our, or finish rather our discussion, our cream rises to the top uh, discussion if you want to. Uh, and last time we kind of left off with the feeling that the cream does not rise to the top. Um, so what in your opinion is the biggest factor? Um, I want to think about the people that do make it. What are the biggest factors that people can get out? Is it location? Obviously, you have to have a certain level of talent and professionalism to to get to that player pool. But um, does location and resource, availability of resource have a, a major impact on being able to rise to a higher level? Well, first off, I'm not sure if I, if I said the cream never rises to the top. No. Almost I think, never. I think it was almost never. I'm not sure that was the case either. The context was a little bit different. I think I wanted to emphasize that this notion that the cream will rise to the top, irrespective, you know, of all Mm -hmm. kinds of factors, is completely wrong. There's a variety of factors. One, you have it right. The player needs to have at least some sort of base level talent and capability. If you're below that base level talent or capability, the chances that Mm -hmm. you're going to be playing in the Champions League is zero. So you have to at least cross that threshold. So that is, that is important. I mean, that already filters out, let's say, 90% of the, 
of the playing population. Now, the other factors that are hugely important are, yes, where are you? Are you you in Kansas? Or are you in uh, Southern California? Or are you in Dallas? Are you in South Dakota? Mm -hmm. Um, All of those things matter for a variety of reasons. Again, one is visibility. So if you're in South Dakota or Nebraska, chances that somebody influential or somebody with a real network is going to ID you and then help get you out of there, right? And into a a better platform to keep progressing is minimized uh, and and probably, I don't know, close to zero. So you're already massively screwed or at a massive disadvantage. I don't care how good you are. There could be a kid that is 13 years old that is just as good, if not better, than the, I don't know, the blue chip rising star in Southern California. But that kid will not get anywhere more often than not. Um, So there's the cream and it doesn't rise to the top. And like that example, it exists all over the country and not just in this country, but all over the world. But all over the world, it's a little bit, I don't know, the, the cracks exist, but not like the canyon that is the United States. Uh, because they do much, much better job of trying to unearth the talent wherever it may be. And again, this is linked to promotion and relegation because the clubs are incentivized organically, naturally by the market, by the economics of it all to do that work. Yeah. Okay. So there's that geography portion on the national scale. Then there's the geography portion at the international scale. So are you Mm -hmm. born in the United States or were you born in Spain? Were you born in Russia? Were you born in Italy? Were you born in Nigeria? Were you born in Ghana? Were you born in South Africa? All those differing countries um, have little micro advantages uh, over another, or some in some cases, huge advantages over others. If you're a kid, like that 13-year-old South Dakotan or Nebraskan kid who is really, really, really good and has nothing to envy almost any player in the world, well, yeah. if that kid... It was born in Barcelona and didn't necessarily go to FC Barcelona for his youth, but he's in a neighboring club, of which there are many, many, many. Well, guess sure. what? It's not going to be long before that kid gets elevated, okay? But if he's in South Dakota, that kid's not getting elevated. Or if he's in the not in prop Barcelona proper and in some outskirt of Spain, the chances are diminished a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Then there are the gatekeepers at the professional clubs who pick and choose who they elevate. So once you're at a professional club, there's a lot of good players, a lot of good youth players that can be potential pros and high-level pros. But then it's up to the executives at the next level to decide we are going to make you a pro versus we are not going to make you a pro. Or Mm -hmm. or we are going to make you a pro and fast-track you uh, to the first team and to get minutes and all this stuff. And we'll also make you, player B, a pro too, but we don't quite believe in you as much, right? So we're not going to try to fast track you all the way up. Um, And so if you have two players like that, it's not that the cream really is the one that uh, rose to the top. It was the opinion of what is the cream by one or a handful of human beings and their opinion that elevated the player further and further and further 
Um, I want to mention something else that I forgot about the, the, the Nebraska kid and the South Dakota yeah. kid versus the California kid, Dallas kid. Um, remember that kid is playing in a soccer circuit, soccer yeah. league, youth soccer circuit. That is vastly lower level than if he were in California. So sure. that player is more on a vicious cycle where they are not improving over time. Versus their counterpart, 13-year-old in Southern California, is constantly improving because his teammates are pushing him. He's that much better. And the competitive opponents, teams, are that much better. So you're being tested and tested and tested and tested and tested versus the other guy who's not being tested and tested and tested. So while they may have started at the same uh, talent level at 13, by the time they're 15 or 16, uh, a big gap has formed between the two. Makes sense. Uh, so in that respect, the cream did not rise to the top. We have another player who basically, uh, because of those factors and not their intrinsic talent or drive or motivation or mentality, never makes it. So, yeah, there's all of that, uh, Nick. And then, if, I mean, parents are important because parents can also make or break a player. If you have parents that uh, – and and I understand it. I'm not blaming them, but if you have parents that make bad choices for their kids, Mm -hmm. um, again, no matter how good you are, uh, player B might not make it because of the the parents' decisions uh, versus player A, exactly the same talent level, exactly the same capabilities does make it. Um, Opportunities are huge. So aside from the club gatekeepers elevating player a over player b family name means a lot uh connections outside of the immediate club means a lot yeah yeah and i'm sure if you for a variety of host of reasons too, the development path and and torquing the system in favor of the player so that just gives you a little taste of the whole notion that the cream naturally rises to the top, no matter where you are, who you are, who you know, who you don't know, uh, whether you were initially elevated or weren't elevated, all those things are just not, aren't true. Where you just have a survivorship bias where the players that make it, you then interview them. And yeah. then based on their interviews, you're like, Oh, see this player came from, you know, <laughs> uh, some rural outskirt of Pennsylvania and look, he's winning the champions league now. Um, so anybody can make it. It doesn't matter where you are. The cream finds a way to get to the top. It's just not a fact. So yeah. for instance, Christian Pulisic, perhaps if his dad, you know, wasn't an ex player and didn't decide to, okay, you know what, Christian, let's go to, Germany at age 15, 16. And I, and I will go with you, you know, to babysit you and make sure that, you know, everything goes right. Um, if that decision didn't happen, Christian Pulisic is in Christian Pulisic right now. If instead they had stayed here and maybe signed with an MLS team and then loaned out to a USL team and then maybe played, maybe didn't play. And there's that whole vicious cycle of having shittier teammates and shittier opponents and mm-hmm. again christian Pulisic doesn't become the christian Pulisic of today so it's not that just his talent of which obviously he has a lot of it, it wasn't just that that propelled him 
to, yeah, of to being what he is today. It's all these other external factors, many of which other players who were just as good as Christian, if not better in the U.S., um, that was not their path because of external factors. His family created a lot of opportunity for him. And you look at, there's there's been a lot of family legacies in U.S. soccer, and I'm sure in, in other countries as well. But that was a really interesting point that you said, um, that not, a, not only is it about the talent, but it's about the opportunities that are created by the parents, by the coaches, and the opinions of the coaches. And that kind of got me thinking about, younger age players right and if you're the, the what's it called like bio banding or how if i think the concept is something is if players are born in in a similar age range um you try and group them together based on their skill not by their age because at a younger age a seven-year-old versus a nine-year-old one could be way more physically dominant um, but that can change over the years. What I was thinking uh, when you when you said that about the gatekeepers is maybe, it, or do you think that this happens at all, but kids that show well, like a 10, 11, 12, um, those kids get more attention from the coaches. Therefore, they get more opportunities to more invites to tournaments. Um, if you're looking better at a younger age, like 10, 11, 12, do you think those players are going to start to get more opportunities because of the gatekeeper at each club? That's kind of where my brain was at um, working with younger kids. And I see that all the time, right? You you see the the best player on the team at 10 years old. He's getting all the time. He's getting a lot of the attention from the coaches. And he's the one getting a lot of opportunities versus a player that same age, not the same skill level, might not be getting the same attention. And in three years' time, they could be the same player, but one got more attention just because of you know his talent level at that time. So I wonder if that kind of plays into it, where the coach is really helping some of the cream get to the top at a younger age. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where my head yes. went and when you were talking about that. Yes, this does seem to be a real effect. The the age bias. I forgot there's a technical term for it. Somebody's done some sort of study on it as well. Yeah. Where the earlier birth months, um, you know, are, are, are you know, six anywhere from six months to a year ahead in mm -hmm. their physical development, physical maturity. So at the youngest of ages, uh, prepubescent, those players might be getting more opportunities simply by the fact that their athletic ability is a little bit ahead of the other's athletic yeah. ability in, in size, strength, and speed. And so if you're in an ecosystem that incentivizes winning uh, over individual player development, and but I want everybody to chill the fuck out on this because <laughs> winning is very important, okay? And of course. Like the rest of the world doesn't value winning no matter what you've read. Um, yeah. But in the United States, at the youth level, yes, you must win because – that keeps the customers paying their their club dues, and that keeps the DOC and, and the club directors off the coaches' back, and that keeps the club in business relative to other clubs. Because sure. if you if the club doesn't win, then your business is going to tank, and if people are just going to flee to other clubs. And why is that? Again, it's linked to promote lack of promotion relegation, but we'll set that aside. So yes, the earlier birth month players might 
in general be getting more opportunities. And they end up being on a virtuous cycle of development because mm -hmm. the more playing time they get, the more attention they get, the better they become versus the younger, less uh, physically mature. And the more they are elevated on the platform too, because their visibility gets increased. They're getting better and mm -hmm. they're playing more. So more eyeballs are on them. And the possibility of some serendipitous moment where there happens to be a scout of a pro club or happens to be, you know, any, any person with a broad network um, can pluck the player, you know, and elevate them even further. So that is another example. Yes, Nick, where the cream rising to the top notion is a little bit skewed. And there are these, this, there are these other elements in play. That's not something that I had really thought about too. When you said that, because usually you think, okay, if the guy's talented or the girl's talented enough, they'll rise to the top. But the opinions of the coaches and the gatekeepers can really prevent somebody from from actually ever getting there. Um, so I, I don't think that's something that people think about often. We look at purely talent and and resources or location, but the parents too, yeah. The parents do. The parents certainly do. They think about that all the time. If if their kid is not getting opportunities or as many opportunities as the next guy, the parents' minds, in my experience, really quick go to these sorts of conclusions. Um, and sometimes they're correct, but many times they are not correct. Many times, yeah. and I hate to be this guy, but many times it's just your kid simply is not that good. That is usually the case. It's it's yeah. it, it's it's usually um, not the case that it's like ah this kid is just is really technical is just really talented but he's you know he's just not there physically as the other guy and um, so we can't play him. Usually that's not the situation. Um, but actually, the, the, you even get the situation where both kids are physically equals. And mm -hmm. one kid is getting more playing time, more opportunities, more all that sort of stuff than the other. And the parent's mind immediately goes to, well, there's some sort of political thing going on behind the scenes, you know, and, and, and that's why my kid is, is not in getting as much. Yeah. Um, and generally speaking, yeah, I'm saying that does exist. That's, that's, there are exceptions that does exist, but generally speaking, that's not the scenario. Generally speaking, the yeah. gatekeeper in in their estimation is saying player A is better than player B. I my job here, my incentives here are to win. Otherwise, the club will fire me. Yeah. And I am going to try to maximize my probabilities of winning. So I will pick player A over player B. And it's not that player B is better than player A. No, no, no. The coach is going to try to get his best 11 on the field. Yeah, exactly. They want to win. Winning is important. I don't know why people forget that. Uh, question about, let's go back to that kid in South Dakota example. Let's say you are that kid in South Dakota and you're a phenomenal player and there's not a lot of soccer culture in the area, but you want to get out. Uh, what could players do to make themselves more visible, more marketable? Is there things that they can do like Christian, like you said, his family took him to Germany and they had a new experience. Um, what can a player like that do when geographically you're screwed, you're on an Island, 
um, barring getting out of, of your state, can you be more visible or marketable uh, through social media? I, I don't know. Is there, is, is there opportunities for those guys or just kind of screwed? I mean, there's only so much you can do. Okay. But if you have the capability to help your cause in some way, then you should probably do it. A lot of this is going to fall on the parents and, and hopefully a caring coach and hopefully a caring club yeah. um, to do it because the 13 year old kid can't do it. And one thing that they can do is buy themselves a high pod, you know, one of these camera towers where you can film a youth game in a decent way where you can actually see what the heck is going on, film mm-hmm. the matches, get good at filming the matches and then make highlight videos and then distribute and disseminate those highlight videos through all your possible communication channels. And then you never know, it can, the, I could come across the video and I could be like, hmm, this kid has some interesting things going on here. Uh, I know the level in South Dakota is shit, but I don't really need to see the level to see that I'm my interest is peaked, okay? Because I can see the way a player receives the ball. I can see the way a player uh, caresses the ball and moves the ball on, you know, whether it be a pass or whether a short distance, long distance. I could see that technique, yes? Um, I could see how they score their goals. I can see how they defend. I can see all these sorts of elements just to pique my curiosity a little bit. And then you never know. Some magic could be possible. I might just forget about the player and the video might go in my bin, even if I'm kind of my interest is peaked. But yeah. maybe there's other people like me who don't dust bin the video and they're like, hey, I want to make contact with this kid and and see what the story is. And because I run a club here in, I don't know, uh, Miami, or I run a club in, in Dallas or Houston or in the outskirts of New York or whatever. And hey, I, what about moving over here, guys? You know, you just never know. So you have to yeah. want to put yourself in the best situation possible. So film the games, do highlight videos, publish it throughout your distribution channels. If you want to cold call or cold email people, you can do that as well. And then at least you're buying yourself some lottery tickets and giving exactly. you a chance for lightning to strike. Yeah. There's still hope for you, South Dakota kids. All right, so uh, one more question, and this is kind of random. I know we did the talk on college soccer and its place in, in, in the global game, but if we're saying, if we're talking about the top as European, the European game or the global game, getting out of America, right, into, into the European market, if that is the top, does playing college soccer pretty much prevent you from getting there? Is it like a four-year chance for you not to rise to the top? Or can it give you some elevation? What I'm asking is, does college soccer make you marketable or not marketable in the European market? I guess that's, if I was being straight, that that would be the question. You're you're at a great disadvantage if you go to college. It's basically, if you're in Europe and you're like, oh, this player is 20 years old and is playing college and I don't care, he's he's killing it, he's doing all these goals or whatever. And the European... (laughs) first off it's gonna be hard to get it it's gonna be hard to get this player in front of a european club decision maker to really take it seriously um they're gonna look at it 
as if we're looking at South Dakota youth players. It's like, oh, South Dakota, what the <laughs> fuck is in South Dakota? What kind of level is what kind of level is that? Oh yeah, I see the kid. He scored yeah. 55 goals in, in a season, U13 level, but South Dakota, man. You bring that kid here in in Southern California and the kid is fighting to get on the field, you know, versus his teammates versus scoring 55 goals. And if he does get on on the field, maybe he scores five goals in the season. I'm being a little hyperbolic intentionally here, but to make the point. Um, sure. So college is not the way to go if you want your next step to be Europe one. Are there exceptions to the rule? Yes. And for fuck's sake, there are exceptions <laughs> for a reason because the general rule exists. So Stefan, the, the U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper, mm-hmm. went to college. I think it was Wake Forest. I don't even know. Um, and then, but this is a goalkeeper, though. A goalkeeper is mature later than field players. Sure. Goal, sure. Goalkeeper in college goes to, I, I don't know if he first went to MLS uh, and then went to Freiburg. And then now he's, he's at Man City and got a couple games in Man City and he became, you know, the senior men's national team goalkeeper. But ex- again, exceptions to the rule. The rule is you don't fucking go to college if you're drinking to be in Europe. <laughs> you heard it here first. And then the last thing I wrote this down at some point in this conversation, I don't remember when. I think when we were talking about the canyon, uh, the not the pipeline, but the canyon. And you said that other countries have incentive because of promotion relegation to to help the cream rise to the top more. Um, just a, just as a blanket guess, if we had promotion relegation here, would we be more incentivized to do the same? Would we would we be filling the canyon with more scouts and more opportunities for these players, or are we just too far off the mark? No, that is absolutely what would happen if you have promotion relegation because every club needs to patch over all their inefficiencies. They need to maximize their club operations and they need to maximize their potential for success. And part of that is, well, you need great talent on the field. Um, yeah. So what are you going to do? There are several business models. One business model is I have a shit ton of cash. I'm Real Madrid and I can go and purchase whoever the fuck I want in the world to meet my sporting demands. Okay. Yeah. But if you're not Real Madrid, if you're not Barcelona, if you're not the three, four super wealthy clubs in the country, everybody else has to do alternative things. And those alternative things are try to find the best goddamn talent there is mm-hmm. um, for the cheapest. And that process starts at the academy level, the youth level, because if you can capture the raw materials early, well, it's free, first off, with respect to, and what I mean by free, it's you're not paying $50 million to go acquire a 13-year-old, okay? It's free. You go, you scout, and you're like, that's a freaking high potential player there. Holy cow. You give them your business card, guess what? That player comes for free. They're like, holy shit, a professional club wants me, uh, wants me in the academy. They have all these good things to say. I'm going. So you start there and then you build them up from that point forward. And if we had promotion relegation in our country, we would have way more professional clubs than we currently do. 
And mm. we would have all of those clubs now incentivized to do what I just described, okay, or at least 90% of the clubs are incentivized to do that at a very high level. And then we'd have the country blanketed by this sort of incentive structure. So South Dakota or North Dakota, I forgot which 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 of the Dakotas <laughs> I was talking about. We'll take them both. <laughs> would, would at some point um, in the not too distant future already have a pro club or two or three sprout up. Yeah. And they'd be in the competitive landscape all of a sudden, whether it be the third division of the United States, USL one, or the second division of the United States, USL. Well, guess what? If they want to get promoted from the third to the second division or the second division to the first, they have to do this because they are probably not going to fill in a 100,000 seat stadium out of the gate. Okay. But they will have a tight knit community that will support them. Um, So they're going to scour the land and try to bring up and improve the youth development and the player development pipeline in their neighborhoods a lot more. So those canyons that I described before actually finally become cracks. And then we can finally accurately say that a lot of players fall through the cracks and be accurate about it. Like a lot of players fall through the cracks globally. But right now, we don't have an issue that players fall through the cracks. We have an issue that we have canyons, not cracks, not micro cracks. We have grand canyons that exist in our country. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of players that are just stuck at the bottom of those canyons, never to, never to rise. It's it's tough landscape. Seems like the root of all problems. Not to mention, not to, not to mention the same is true of everybody that works in the American ecosystem. The same is true of coaches. The same is true of business owners. The same is true of clubs, whether they be youth clubs, semi-pro clubs, professional clubs. Everybody is being screwed because there is, almost everybody is stuck at the bottom of these canyons, okay? And they can't just pick themselves up to the top of the canyon because we have this gatekeeper system and there is no mechanism of promotion relegation to build your way up, to climb your way up out of the canyon. There are no trails out of the canyon. There are no freaking mules and and pickaxes and shovels and donkeys and staff, you know, that you can (laughs) get yourself out of the fucking canyon, okay? The only way to do it is if you actually had promotion relegation. Well, there's no incentive to get out either. If there's no promotion relegation, there's no incentive to to, to get anywhere to change anything. That's true too. Right? That's true too. So they just focus instead of instead of getting out of the canyon. They look around the canyon. They're like, "Well, I guess we're stuck let's here. Go. So let's make the best of it. Let's find a, a nice let's find a nice little patch of dirt. You know that maybe has plenty of cacti and a tree for shade around. You know and and maybe we can dig a well right here at the bottom of the canyon and hopefully sustain ourselves that way. And then people wonder, like, what the fuck are you just chilling for in your little plot of dirt down there? Why, look at this. You guys should work your fucking dicks off, you know, to get to the top of the canyon. And, and if you're actually a practitioner and are aware that you're stuck down here, you look at these people and you're like, the fuck are you talking about? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? There is nowhere to go. There is nothing to do. 
And yeah. so here we are, you know, and, and, and people who support um, the elites at the top of the canyon that happens to be MLS and, and that whole monolithic culture and mob up there, they're just looking down at us and spitting on us and laughing at us and saying, oh, well, you know, you know, offer up sacrifices to your kings up here. And maybe if you offer up enough, if you offer up, up enough, you know, mules sacrifices or whatever, maybe we'll come down there with a chopper and welcome you into the chopper and bring you up to the top of the canyon. We'll pick a few of you. We'll pick the best All ones. Right. <laughs> Analogy is done, Nick. <laughs> I love it. All right, yeah, sorry to nosedive off into promotion relegation, but it seems like that's the root of all problems, and we can always find our way back to it. So, um, yeah, any final thoughts on the cream rising to the top? I thought you killed that one. No, that's it. Okay, cool. That was good. No, I really like, I really like, and I hadn't really thought about how much of an impact the gatekeepers at clubs have on getting these on players there, right? Because it's kind of my my thought process that if you are good enough, the talent should shine through. But if you're not good enough in the opinion of the person who holds the power, it doesn't really fucking matter. <laughs> it's like, if you don't think I'm good enough, then it doesn't matter. Uh, and that's it's not something that I've really thought about much. So I, that was my biggest takeaway from that. 